Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Koki Chronicles podcast, episode 29 of the Koki Chronicles podcast. On today's episode, I hopped on Tyler Henry's podcast, the TBH Sports Pod, to talk about the Sweet 16 matchups ahead of this weekend. Um, it's the men's tournament for March Madness. Uh, I, I made my picks for the first two rounds. Um, I, I, what, what? What's that now? About a week ago, a little more over a week, about a week and a half ago. Um, but now we've moved on to the Sweet 16, and I hopped on Tyler's podcast to talk about that, and we are dual simulcasting uh, that conversation on this podcast, the Koki Chronicles podcast as well. Uh, Tyler was also on the first ever episode of this podcast, if you guys remember, and he and I had a really uh, fun conversation about March Madness um, on, uh, this time around, so I hope you guys uh, check out his podcast after listening to this conversation as well so without further ado let's get to my conversation with tyler welcome back here on the tbh sports podcast tyler henry alongside you here with a conversation coming up about some sweet 16 action as we work our way through the ncaa men's tournament and here to help me break it all down is koki riley koki uh joining me here from the bottom of our bracket pool as is ethan jordan in case you're wondering uh none of the three of us have been having a particularly good time of it uh this time around koki uh how are you and your your bruised pride and broken bracket feeling because i know mine are both in pain hey um if you just look at my west and south it's actually pretty good you know right my west especially i have three of the four i picked three of the four sweet 16 sweet 16 teams in the west the only one i got wrong was creighton um you know, I'm just looking at the USC Oregon game, and I'm just like, I, I was right. You know, but other than that, it's awful. So, fair enough. I uh, I can do something similar. I, I will say I do have a good number of potential points left, uh, but I'm not holding out hope because I, like everyone else in the country, have that good old Gonzaga over Baylor championship pick. And let's be honest, that no, I had could... I had Gonzaga over Illinois. Oh, see. That's unfortunate. At least I have the potential left for uh, for something to work out. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and set this up for everybody at home. So we are down to the Sweet 16. It is going to be very interesting as we've got some uh, some developments here. We'll have matchups coming up. Uh, I believe the end of the week or starting up the weekend here with Baylor and Villanova. We'll have Arkansas taking on of all teams Oral Roberts. The same day, we'll have Loyola Chicago at Oregon State and Syracuse taking on Houston. The day after that, we'll have Alabama UCLA, Florida State Michigan, Oregon USC, and Creighton Gonzaga. Let's go ahead and start with the uh, the earlier games that are going to be going on. Some of these could be interesting. Some of them could not. But at this point in the year, anything is possible, Koki. So let me just start you off with this. Baylor and Villanova. Uh, this is a Villanova team that They've kind of caught some breaks in terms of who they've gotten to play on the way here with North Texas upsetting Purdue, but they've looked pretty good. They had a dominant win over North Texas. How are you feeling about their shot here against the Baylor Bears? Um, not good at all. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been, I guess, in a way, like pleasantly surprised with this Villanova team, right? Because I thought they were going to lose to Winthrop. Um, Winthrop was one of the strongest double-digit seeded teams in this tournament uh they were going up against the Villanova team that lost their best player arguably the best player in Colin Gillespie heading into the tournament and it just looked like Winthrop had a real chance and then they lost by 10 and what was actually a pretty uh competitive game and then Villanova got a little lucky they played North Texas in the next round and they destroyed them so here they are Villanova they're in the Sweet 16 I don't think we we should totally underestimate this team for the simple reason that Jay Wright um is the head coach of the Villanova uh Wildcats, and that's enough of a reason for them to be 
at least competitive in this game. And, uh, and I'm really interested to see, like, some of the, maybe they can create some mismatches underneath with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, he's an excellent player. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him underneath. But this Baylor team and their ability to create turnovers and their speed, like that's a that's a big mismatch against this against Villanova. And I mean, Baylor looks like they're back. They, they after losing two games at the end of last season, at, at the end of this season, heading into the tournament. I mean, that win against Wisconsin was pretty dominant. So. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Baylor is back. I think it's as simple as that. But my big thing with Baylor is that, you know, people point to those two losses at the end of the season, but they were a rhythm shooting team and nothing will take you out of a rhythm faster than having people on your team test positive for COVID-19 and not being able to get on the basketball floor. But little by little, I feel like Baylor has finally started to return to form. We certainly saw it in a double digit win over Wisconsin. They looked comfortable handling Hartford, although to be fair, I think there are, you know, a lot of teams that would have looked comfortable handling Hartford. But I agree with you. I think I think Villanova's biggest strength is at coach and unfortunately the coach is not the guy putting points on the board so for me this is a pretty simple one I don't I don't really need to spend too much time per se talking about it. I think Baylor's got a strong advantage you mentioned Robinson Earl you know they might be able to create some mismatches underneath but the point is Baylor just shoots too well from beyond the arc and there's really not a lot you can do that with how many different guys they have that can hurt you Baylor can spread it out they have a number of guys that are able to knock down the three and they shoot 41 percent from the field better than any other team in the country I'm taking Baylor in a big big way over Villanova. Same for you, I'm assuming? Yeah, pretty much the same. I I, I just want to add, though, with Baylor's defense and their ability to create turnovers on that side of the ball, um, that could be a big problem against a Villanova team that's missing its top guard. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just something to keep an eye eye out for. Absolutely. So, you know, two teams in that matchup that we kind of expected might be there. Personally, I thought it was going to be Purdue, but, you know, it's still a 1-5 matchup, a couple of lower-seeded teams. But on the other side of the bracket, things get a little bit more interesting. Yes, number three, Arkansas, was able to knock off Colgate, who I thought might have had a chance. Colgate shot very well from three, but they just didn't have the firepower to beat Arkansas. Um, and then Texas Tech, they a very, very close game, but at the end of the day, Tech just could not finish that's what happened on the other side for the opponent that Arkansas will play in the Sweet 16 with Oral Roberts. Interestingly enough, both teams advancing because the team they were facing just could not hit a bucket to save their lives in the last couple of minutes. But yeah, Oral Roberts, 15 seed, one of the lowest seeds to make it this far since Florida Gulf Coast. A 15 seed has never made it to this point in the tournament. They got the upset win over Ohio State and then they knock off Florida 81 to 78. They meet Arkansas. I'm going to turn it over to you here to kind of set this matchup up. What are some of the things that you're really kind of looking at? And do you think Cinderella has one more win in her? Or is this the end of the line for Oral Roberts? In terms of pure athleticism and combining that athleticism and speed, um, this is easily the, you could argue that this is easily the best team that Oral Roberts has faced so far. I think Ohio State's more skilled than Arkansas because Ohio State has so many different scoring options whether it's underneath on the perimeter with a guy like Washington, with Dwayne Washington, with a guy like E.J. Liddell underneath, you can also space it out at three-point line. Ohio State had options on offense, and all those options just simply didn't work against Oral Roberts, who really just ran them out of the gym with their quickness, with their added quickness and speed. Um, and and then, again, then against Florida, Florida looked like they had fairly, they, they were in control of the game up until around, what, third, fourth, they're not third, fourth quarter. There's no quarters in, co- in men's college basketball. <laughs> there should be. Around what would be roughly the third, fourth quarter is when Florida just, you know, they were kind of stunned by Oral Roberts's, um, I, I guess their, uh, um, how would you how would you describe it? Their tenacity. Um, yeah, just their 
it's kind of their courage, right? Yeah. And they're in a, they just didn't give up in that game, despite being down by double digits for um, arguably the majority of the, of the game. So, uh, and they pulled that one out by three. So this Oral Roberts team, they're really quick, they're really fast. They they um, they score a lot of points. But this Arkansas team not only has the speed to contain Oral Roberts, but they're much bigger. They're much more athletic, and they play their hearts out for Eric Musselman. And, uh, and Colgate wasn't Colgate gave him a little bit of a scare, but they ended up winning that game by double digits anyway. Um, the Texas Tech game was a barn burner, but Texas Tech played their absolute best in that game, and that was and Arkansas it rose up to the challenge anyway. Arkansas has been tested a little bit in this tournament already, and they've they've passed each each of these tests with flying colors. So I mean, Oral Roberts has been a spoiler and a stunner so far this season, and they're going to be a hard team to sort of contain, especially defensively. But I I have trouble seeing Arkansas lose this game. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I tend to, I tend to agree. I think that this Arkansas team has the, the reason that I picked Arkansas to lose in the upset. I looked at them on paper. I looked at their schedule. I, I thought that again, Colgate's three point shooting percentage. I thought maybe they could do it. But the one thing you see on the floor that does not show up in the stat sheet is just the screw you attitude that this Arkansas defense plays with. This team is tenacious. They are very tough. And I think the biggest thing is they've got two to three days here actually more than that i think they have four or five days if you look at the gap in between tournament games to prepare for oral roberts it took oral roberts everything that they had every trick in their playbook to beat ohio state they came back and beat florida that's great and all but when you reset and you try to run the table against a team like arkansas i just don't know that they're going to be able to keep that energy up and i don't know that they're going to be able to be in this game late enough i i I think you you did a good job of describing it i don't think that i really have too much to add from an x's nose standpoint I just think this Arkansas team is too good to beat or too good to lose to Oral Roberts, but that's the beauty of March Madness. I mean, you never know. Anything could happen. But in terms of the matchup that I feel like is maybe the least close going into this weekend, it's either this or Gonzaga Creighton. Creighton is obviously a lot better than Oral Roberts, but at the same time, I think the difference is about the same between these teams. So I'm taking Arkansas on a big one here. I totally agree. And, and heading into the tournament, I thought Arkansas was the best three seed in the bracket. Um, I, I I picked them over Ohio State to make the Elite Eight. I was I was really in on this Arkansas team, just given their athleticism, given how hot they were heading into the tournament, um, given how good of a coach Eric Musselman is, given how much perimeter scoring they have. Um, I mean, a guy like Moses Moody hasn't really even gotten he hasn't really caught fire for them quite quite yet as well. So. I'm just really in on this Arkansas team. They're a very strong team, and they're going to be the first challenge for Baylor if they play against each other in the Elite Eight, which I assume they will. Sure. You know, it'll be a fascinating matchup if it happens. We have to wait and see if anything you know, anything crazy happens, if we get any more madness in March. But before we move on to the next quadrant of the bracket, there is one thing that I wanted to bring up really quickly, just for fun, uh, about the previous couple of rounds. We're, we're trying not to go back and talk too much about it because it's already been kind of talked to death. You watched the games. You saw the highlights. You know what happened. We're trying to get you caught up with what's going on. But there is one thing that I wanted to mention from a conference standpoint. Uh, the Big Ten just absolutely imploded out of nowhere and in the void that was left behind the pac-12 has been killing it koki you cover the pac-12 is this something you could have predicted or were you kind of expecting the pac-12 to go out with a whimper in the tournament like they usually do well i don't cover the pac-12 quite as much as i used to okay um and i'll be honest i didn't see this coming even regardless even as someone who hasn't been quite on the beat as i have been in uh, recent years, but regardless, uh, 
I mean, Oregon State is in the Sweet 16 here, and they weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. For yeah. example, uh, it, I mean, just go down the line, right? UCLA barely made the tournament. They they came, they made the tournament through on the in the playing game when the, against Michigan State, and I didn't even pick them to win the playing game. And they what they went ahead to beat Michigan State. They upset BYU. They really beat down on Abilene Christian. Poor Abilene Christian. Hmm. And here they are in the Sweet 16 against a great Alabama team. It's unbelievable. I mean, US, I did pick USC versus Oregon. I thought those were two very good teams that the committee kind of underrated and the national spotlight underrated. But at the same time, like, who could have picked Oregon State? And who could have picked UCLA? Nobody. Yeah, no, it, it would have been very difficult. And then, like I said, on the other side of that, you have got a Big Ten that came in as the big bat. They were supposed to be the conference that was going to just absolutely wreck everyone this season. And going down the line, you take a look at these games. Fourth seeded Purdue upset by North Texas. Second seeded Ohio State upset by or by Oral Roberts. Illinois upset by Loyal Chicago, who we'll talk about here in a bit. I mean, you, you look at all of these teams. I mean, obviously it wasn't an upset, but Maryland ends up getting taken out by Alabama. Rutgers ends up getting taken out by Houston. It just, the, the conference absolutely imploded. The last bastion of hope for them, unfortunately, is Michigan, which is a shame because I was really kind of holding out hope for the old uh, Rutgers is carrying the Big Ten uh, argument. But let's uh, let, let's step away from that for a second. Let's get back into the bracket. The games that will be happening on the first day here in the Sweet 16, this is the quadrant that ruined a lot of people's brackets. The one seed, out. The two seed, still in. Three seed, out. Four seed, out. We've got a matchup between an 8 and a 12 as Loyola Chicago will take over and play Oregon State. The Darlings of March are back, and the Ramblers have been getting it done in style. A monstrous win over Illinois. Before that, they end up beating Georgetown by 11. This team looks better, in my opinion, coming in and on the floor in the tournament than the team that made it to the Final Four a couple of years ago. And they will be playing an odd opponent here in the Beavers of Oregon State, who, as you mentioned, Koki, were not even supposed to be in the tournament, but they had a crazy run at the very tail end of their season. They were able to win the Pac-12 tournament, which got them in as a 12 seed. They upset Tennessee because, of course, they did. Tennessee always finds a way to choke in March. And then they upset Oklahoma State because Cade Cunningham, unfortunately, is not capable of doing everything. And now they're in the Sweet 16 against Loyola Chicago. And ironically enough, I think Loyola Chicago might actually be the toughest matchup that they've had to play. Tennessee had a lot more talent than Loyola Chicago. But when you look at guys that play well together, I think this is going to be one of the tougher tasks here for an Oregon State team that may be still feeling themselves. But again, you, you've been around the Pac-12 a little bit more than I have, maybe not as much as in previous seasons. What is kind of the vibe for you coming into this matchup between the Ramblers and Beavers? Oregon State kind of makes the game a little ugly. It's a little more of a half-court game. Um, I mean, they're not the most when you're not the most talented team, which they clearly aren't. You you kind of have to muck up the game a bit, right? And that's what they did against Oklahoma State. They made it into more of a half court game. Focus on Kate Cunningham, and boom, they won by ten. And they beat Tennessee by a lot, mostly because Tennessee kind of beat themselves in that game. I mean, Tennessee wasn't the most skilled team, but they were. They that team was oozing with talent and, and future NBA players. And if they still were able to win that game pretty handedly. That was a really young Tennessee team. They've been volatile the whole season, so it isn't stunning to me that they lost in the first round. I didn't like them as much as some other people did. But I liked Oklahoma State a lot. And, I mean, Oklahoma State beat Baylor in the Big 12 tournament. This team has beaten pretty much every – has played played in an excellent Big 12 conference and and not only did, – did more than just hold their own. Uh, I, I was really in Oklahoma State. I thought they had a real chance of 
potentially even making the Elite Eight. Um, I had them losing to Illinois, but but still, I, I thought that could have been a potentially a really good game. But no, Oregon State upsets them, and one of the, I thought one of the biggest upsets so far in the tournament. So here they are, Oregon State, they're here. Um, but it, you do make a good point about the Solar Chicago team because, yeah, they're an eight seed on this bracket, but to me that's BS because this team should is really plays like a two, like a three or four or even like a two seed because of how connected they are on the offensive end, how well they communicate on the defensive end, how they can play different styles. I mean, the fact they can they can shoot the three ball really well. They're passing. They're arguably the best passing team in the tournament right now. I love this loyal Chicago team with all my heart. I think Cameron Crutwick is an amazing player. And as long as they keep on rolling with this defense and with this, and with this ball movement, I have trouble seeing Oregon State mucking that up. You know, because Oklahoma State and Tennessee were younger teams, a little, little more vulnerable to upsets, right, when you, when you have a younger team, or especially if you're a team like Oregon State and you're relying more on one player. This little Chicago team is not that. They're a veteran group. They can hit the three ball. They can move the they move the ball really well. They're not afraid of anybody, and they're certainly not going to be afraid of this Oregon State team that that arguably is even less talented than this team. So I love Chicago here in a walk. Yeah, I, I do as well. I, I think the one thing that gives me any reason for pause, you, you said it, I think, really, really well earlier. You said Oregon State likes to muddy the game a little bit. They like to make it a little bit ugly. My question is, can Oregon State find a way to get Cameron Crutwig in foul trouble? Because I think that may be the one saving grace for Oregon State here. I don't necessarily know if it'll happen, but I've seen this team. Again, they're they're not as good as the teams that they've been beating, but they are frustrating on the glass. And I have seen a lot of fouls called around the rim. That may be interesting if Crutwig gets himself into a little bit of trouble here. I'm not saying it will happen. I still think Loyola Chicago takes this one in a big way. But that is the one thing, if I'm Oregon State, that I'm walking into this game looking to try, at least, to make something happen. Um, but that's going to be a fun matchup, I feel like, unless Loyola Chicago just completely rolls, which would be fun. And I agree with you, too. They were underrated. The fact that they're an eight seed is an insult. Yeah, them and even Georgia Tech is a nine seed. That was an insult as well. I mean, a lot of Georgia Tech's problems had the had to go to, was because Moses Brown was out for the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Loyola Chicago, they I, I picked them to beat Georgia Tech and they won and they rolled Illinois. And I hated picking Illinois had Loyola Chicago, but I loved that Illinois team that much. But it didn't matter. I mean, Loyola Chicago made me look foolish, even though I <laughs> again I liked that Loyola Chicago team a lot and I wanted to pick them over Illinois, but I loved Illinois so much. I couldn't pick. I just couldn't pick against the Illini. I mean, I love Curbelo. I, I love the D- Sunmu. I mean, I love Kofi Co- Coburn. His presence inside. I'm like, and I was just thinking to myself, like, how is Crowdwick going to stop Coburn in this game? And it didn't even matter because Chicago. They, I mean, they won by 13 against arguably the hottest team heading into the tournament. Um, not named Gonzaga. So, I mean, it's it's really incredible what this little Chicago team has already accomplished. So, I, I think Oregon State just going to be another win for them. I think they're the best team in this side of the bracket. I know there's a number two seed oh, oh, um, still alive right here in, in Houston, but I got to pick Loyola Chicago here uh, coming out of the side of the bracket. I mean, I, I know that sounds very poetic, but I, I just think they're the best team from what I, I've seen at least. I don't hate that. From what I've seen, I don't hate that. Here's what I love about March Madness. You don't have to be a basketball expert to win your bracket pool, obviously. Um, after after the Loyal Chicago upset of the brackets that I make every single year, the one that was doing the best was my which mascot do I think is funnier or cooler bracket because Loyal Chicago 
it just, you know, again, they, they just find a way to roll. And it's just, it's so fascinating every season that you get a team or two like this. But I think Loyola Chicago, I agree with you. I think they're probably closer to a six seed uh, when you look at some of the teams that were seeded ahead of them. But let's go ahead and talk about that bottom half of the bracket. We've got an 11-2 matchup between a Houston team that clapped Cleveland State and then narrowly squeaked it out against Rutgers. It took a last second shot for them to make it. And then on the other side, you've got a Syracuse team that has pulled a couple of big games. They get the upset over South or over San Diego State, and then they get an upset over West Virginia. These two are now meeting, and I think Syracuse is the team of all the teams in the bracket that I underrated maybe the most. I did not have a lot of faith in Syracuse. I thought maybe the reason they were getting a lot of attention could have been their namesake, could have been their coach. They have really stepped up in a big, big way. And look, I love Houston. I've had a chance to work with Kelvin Sampson, uh, my time at IMG and a coach's show. I love the way that he coaches this team. They've got a lot of talent. But I just, this team looks out of sorts. They might be headed for another potential upset. The way Cuse is playing... I wouldn't put it past the orange to find a way to advance here. Mm, I wouldn't be stunned either. I, I think the one thing I'm a little cautious cautious about the Syracuse team is that they're shooting at a un, almost unrealistically high rate, um, and that's not just Buddy Bayheim. That's the entire team. Um, and also, Houston has a lot of experience playing zone de- playing against zone defenses, which I think is a really important um, note to be had here. Uh, but again, I, I want to. I've already underestimated the Syracuse team. Not once, but twice so far in this tournament. I didn't think they had a chance. I didn't really think they had a chance against West Virginia. I thought they were going to lose San Diego State, but I was wrong both times. I mean, the San Diego State game was a perfect matchup against that team, right? Their zone defense totally flummoxed the, the Aztecs, and, and Buddy Vaheim was Mr. Buckets, and they won that game easily. And then they played West Virginia, and uh, I mean, hit, they hit more threes, and, and and that zone defense also flummoxed West Virginia. It's it's unbelievable what Jim Beheim's been able to do with this program now. It's the third time they've gone to the Sweet 16 as a double-digit seed, and that's just incredible. I don't know what else to say. That's really just incredible. As long as they don't run into another ACC team um, for the rest of the tournament, and, <laughs> and that would be Florida State in the in the national championship game, which that would that they're the only other ACC team still alive. Then I mean, it's it's it, they're they're gonna they're gonna be a problem. Even though I don't love this Houston team. I, 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 Syracuse certainly is a chance. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think that might actually be, arguably, again, looking at the matchups, that might be one of the better games that we get out of the Sweet 16 round. It's going to be interesting. I think it could go either way. Um, man, gun to my head, I still don't know that I would pick against Syracuse. And I think it's really cool that you mentioned, you know, they've, they've done this as, you know, a double digit seed. They've kind of been seen as a program that's been in a bit of decline there for a while They were considered one of the blue bloods and now they've kind of fallen off of that But they are still a dangerous team when they make it to the tournament good coaching can go a long way in college basketball Um, But yeah one matchup you will not want to miss Syracuse and Houston I am officially gonna go ahead and take the orange here Koki I'm gonna give you a chance for a pick before we uh, flip to the other side of the bracket I lean I actually lean Houston here I, I and I and I kind of made both sides of the case for Syracuse um but I'm gonna go with Houston just because I, that mismatch with the zone. I know it. I, you know I don't like Houston that much. I picked Rutgers ahead of them in my actual bracket. Um, I'm so I'm gonna stick to that a little bit. And I'm gonna pick Syracuse. I, I just don't love this Houston offense. They, to me, they have trouble um, getting easy buckets outside of Brent Grimes. And I mean, Rutgers should have beat them in that game. Like that was arguably the biggest choke of the tournament. Rutgers not pulling that out against Houston. Houston had to go on like what, like a 14-2 run to mm-hmm. win that game. So I, I have Syracuse, actually. I'm, I'm changing my mind. Despite Houston's experience against the zone defense and despite Syracuse's unrealistically hot shooting, 
uh, I'm still picking the Orange. All right, fair enough. Well, four matchups down, four matchups to go. Let's talk about the games that will happen on the 28th. And we talk about a couple of matchups that have not been particularly close. These could start to get a little bit closer. Let's start over in the east portion of the bracket. Let's talk about this uh, this 2-11 matchup between Alabama and UCLA. Now, this is an Alabama team that I like a lot. This is an Alabama team that I think is incredibly dangerous. They play an in-your-face style of defense that you don't see a lot of teams play in the college level anymore. They have a ridiculous number of three-pointers that they're willing to hit you with, and even if all of them don't fall, they're versatile in terms of their scoring. They kind of do have a little bit of that Miami Heat screw-you attitude, I think, um, which is very good when you talk about a team that's trying to perform here in the bubble, but UCLA has found a way to be very hot. You mentioned they were a play-in team. They get the win over Michigan State. Then they come into the tournament and they get a double-digit win over BYU in an upset. And then they absolutely roll Abilene Christian. RIP to the, uh, the, the Cinderella's from Texas getting slaughtered in the second round. So now you've got a UCLA team that is riding a hot streak against an Alabama team that, in my opinion at least, is probably the best two-seed not named Iowa in the tournament. And all that good did for Iowa, they're out of it. How do you feel about this going into this matchup? What is it about UCLA that has allowed them to get to this point? They're one of the few teams I haven't had a chance to watch just with work and stuff. I've done my best, but I haven't seen any of these UCLA games that have been played so far. Um, They play a half-court style. They're not a dominant defensive team, but they're really well coached, of course. Mick Cronin's done a really good job with, with turning around this program in a really um, efficient and quick fashion. I mean, this is what, their second tournament in technically two years because there wasn't a tournament last year. Well, they would have made the tournament last year, but there wasn't a tournament, so that would be basically two and two for them. I mean, they're a really well-coached team, um, and it, it, they don't have, like, the most explosive athletes, but they know it, but they can score the basketball, they can hit the three-pointer really well, and they play just a really patient, slower-style game, and that kind of that kind of destroyed Abilene Christian because they're the opposite. They need to create turnovers, and... And, and and you know and, and play off their speed right because that's how they beat Texas they created a whole bunch of turnovers and won that game by one point um, but I mean this UCLA team they're just they're just a solid crew solid veteran crew knows how to play with each, play with each other and can hit the three ball a little bit similar to Alabama like they don't really have this UCLA team they could slow down the pace and that could affect Alabama especially if they're not hitting the three ball very well but Alabama also has superior athletes. This is going to be easily the best team UCLA has played so far in the tournament. And I picked Alabama to make the Final Four, and there's a reason why. I just love this team with their three-point shooting, um, their versatility on defense, their intensity. They're a really, really well-coached team under Nate Oates. Um, I love this. I absolutely love this Alabama play, this Alabama team. I, I, I love watching them play. Okay, so I wanted to reserve my ju- my final judgment on this matchup until I heard you talk about UCLA a little bit, but I think after hearing what you said, I'm going to stick with my original pick here. I've got Alabama in the Final Four as well. I think this might actually be the game where we see UCLA run out of magic dust and kind of implode upon themselves a little bit. Um, Alabama just has the potential to be so frustrating to a team like UCLA. And I, I again, I just don't see anyone stopping the Crimson Tide, and they're going after those Infinity Stones. Do you know how many national championships Alabama has won this season? This would be at least number two if they won, right? But this how would many, be number this would be number seven. We're talking track and field. We're talking some of the some of the more obscure ones. They just keep winning stuff this year. This seems to be <laughs> Alabama's year. 
um call me call me crazy call me crazy man i just this this feels like the year for alabama but i again i I think this might be one of those matchups that is not particularly close i'm guessing you're taking the crimson tide here as well yeah in a walk to me this team arguably should have been a one seed i mean they're incredible yeah, I, I tend to agree. I Again, the one seeds were pretty good this year. I think it's hard because Michigan, who we're going to talk about here in a second, you know, they're down a big piece. Um, but but even so, if you're talking about the state of the team coming into the tournament, I think Bama probably should have been the, the one seed over Michigan. But if Michigan can handle their business against Florida State and Alabama takes care of UCLA, they can have a chance to prove that. And speaking of which, let's get into what could be arguably the best game of the weekend again game starting on saturday this will be a sunday matchup between michigan and florida state look michigan is down isaiah livers everyone knows that everyone knows about that they are not at 100 percent, but so far in this tournament they've managed to handle their business they took care of texas southern which duh i mean it's it's texas southern but they came out and, and, and again it's an lsu team that i really thought might give them a run for their money they found a way to handle their business in that game as well. Now, the problem is they're playing a potential buzzsaw in Florida State. I think one of the best four seeds in this tournament. I really expected a better game between Florida State and Colorado. It was a slaughter. 71-53, to Florida State, after taking care of UNC Greensboro, knocks off the Buffaloes of Colorado, and now they are eyeing a chance at the Elite Eight. You know more probably about Michigan than I do. I know I kind of, I kind of previewed Florida State a little bit, but what are the big keys to this matchup for both teams looking to advance to the next round? This is really tough, right? Um, we know about the Isaiah Livers part with Michigan. He's a big part of their offense, and they could definitely use a ball mover against this great Florida State defense and the amount of athletes they have. Um, I mean, you never want to count on a team like Florida State, especially when they have such a good coach in Leonard Hamilton. But it, 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 this is really tough. I'm kind of torn on this. I, I wasn't huge on either of these teams heading into the tournament, um, partially for not having livers, I think, hurt this Michigan my uh, my view of this Michigan team personally and I, I thought they were I mean a bit overrated heading into the tournament I mean to me I, I would almost prefer to have Alabama here and I think I, and I picked I I and I believe I had um I, I, don't, I don't think I yeah I, I had Michigan actually losing in the in the in the, in the last round the second round to St. Bonaventure that was a really hot take and so did I bad, but we both did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm not alone. That's good. No, um, you're not alone in the darkness, my friend. We both believed in St. Bonaventure, <laughs> and they, they led us astray. <laughs> yeah, Bonaventure really laid an egg against LSU. Yeah, that's a whole other story we don't need to talk about day. that. <laughs> um, I also picked Colorado over Florida State because I just looked at the Florida State team, and I was like, where's their point guard? Um, why are they disappointing? Why are they not playing very well in an ACC that was really weak this season? I, I have real concerns about Florida State. Um but they just—they, I mean, they destroyed Colorado, and they took their—they handled their business against UNC Greensboro. So, I mean, I've been really wrong about both these teams. So I don't have as good of a feel as I should for both these teams. But I mean, Florida State's athleticism and how well coached they are, and their defense—that could give Michigan Michigan a lot of problems. Even though Michigan is a great defensive team themselves, this is really going to come down to who, which offense can function the best. And I lean Florida State, but that's going to be a really close game. Yeah, I think I think for me, the thing I liked Florida State coming into this tournament, I picked them over Colorado. I, I think that ultimately the winner of this game, it might not matter. It may be a hot take to even say this when you're still talking about a one seed. But I think whoever wins this game, there's a chance that they get rolled by Bama next the, the two days after. 
Um, yeah. Again, we'll have yeah. to wait and see. It may not matter. But in terms of this matchup, I, I think Florida State's defense gives them a unique advantage. I think that their defense is incredible. You mentioned coaching. And I think we're just going to have to see the cracks in the armor of Michigan, unless they're deeper than we thought. But we saw this team lose, I believe, three of their last five to end the season. Uh, this is not a team that has really, you know, put up the numbers that we expected. And I, I don't know that I've seen them recover well enough from losing Isaiah Livers uh, that I feel confident taking them here against Florida State. I think the other thing that, you know, again, it's it's a one game sample size for everybody. But I think there are a lot of questions going around right now about how bi- how good was the Big Ten really this year? You know what I mean? I, obviously, these teams yeah. were really good, but. Man, come tournament time, it felt like they all fell apart. I think this may be the game where we see Florida State kind of expose Michigan a little bit and expose what they lose by not having Isaiah Livers on the floor. And for that reason, I'm rolling with the Seminoles this week. Um, but you may you may differ. Who are you taking here in this matchup? I lean Florida State as well. I think those big athletes and how, how well they're coached and, I mean, how well they're playing in the tournament. I mean, the fact that they destroyed a Colorado team that looked almost invincible against Georgia Town, Georgiatown, like that's... That means something, um, and that's really impressive. And I know Michigan played really well against LSU as well, but I I, I, I was never huge on that LSU team anyway. Um, and they kind of got a lucky draw in the first two rounds, ended up being at least. So, I yeah, I lean forward to stay here. All right, fair enough. Well, we got a couple more matchups to talk about. This one will probably be our briefest discussion, at least I would imagine. Uh, There is some stuff to break down, but I just don't know that it matters. There is one team that I have purposefully not watched at any point during the NCAA tournament, and that is Gonzaga. Why, you ask? Because Gonzaga is head and shoulders above the rest of the league, of the rest of the NCAA again this year. Um, and look, there's just nobody that's going to touch them until they get into the Final Four. I have no confidence in Creighton's ability to win this win this game. I just don't. Uh, this is a good Creighton team. I actually really like them. And I get that, yes, technically, if you look at the numbers, they didn't have to play Virginia. I think Ohio was better than Virginia. I picked that upset. And I think that UCSB had a real chance to knock Creighton out. But... This is a Creighton team that has not been battle-tested in any way similar to what they're going to face here against Gonzaga. They played two games against ranked opponents. They lost by one to a Kansas team that, let's be honest, was very bad this year. And they lost by 12 to a Villanova team that hasn't been overly impressive, at least not in the tournament. I get that they had their point guard at that point, and they don't now, but look, this is a Creighton team that I like. This is a Gonzaga team that you only get a team like this once every three or four years. The last team to do it was Villanova back in that 20, I believe it was 2017, 2018. Um, that run where everyone just knew heading into the tournament that they were the best team and they probably weren't going to lose. And then they didn't. So again, you can say whatever you want about Creighton. You can try to make whatever case you want, but I think this is going to be Gonzaga by double digits. And I don't think it's going to be all that close. Gonzaga is going to destroy Creighton. Creighton barely beat UCSB. And I picked UCSB over Creighton. That really disappointed me. So they kind of got lucky there. They beat Ohio, but again, they're a 13 seed. With one like, good I know player. Creighton has probably played a little better than I thought they would. I mean, I thought the Greg McDermott situation would kind of tank their team. And, and the fact that they got destroyed by Georgetown in the Big East Championship and the Big East wasn't any good this year. And, like, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you'd want to be against Creighton, even though they're fun to watch and Zagorowski is a really good player. Um, but now they're going up against the best team in the country by far, one of the most efficient college basketball teams of all time. So they're going to be destroyed. Cool. All right. We don't need to waste any more time talking about Creighton and Gonzaga. And of course, now that we've said that, Creighton will find a way to pull some massive upset and we will have to eat our words a couple of days later on the podcast. But until then, we will revel in the moment of our uh, our instantaneous success. The bottom of the bracket, let's talk about one of the most interesting situations. I've never seen this at any point uh, during my time watching college basketball, which has been since I was a kid. 
So USC got here the normal way. They get a victory over Drake, 72 to 56. They roll a Kansas team, RIP, that was just not that good this year. I don't understand how Kansas was a three seed. It didn't make any sense to me. I picked USC. They got here. Let's talk about Oregon for a second. Their first round game was supposed to be against VCU, but because of COVID issues at VCU, they ended up getting something no other team to my memory has ever gotten, and that is a bye week in the first round of the tournament. So yes, they came out and played a heck of a game to beat Iowa. This was a really good Iowa team, but I still feel like even though they played such a good game, you cannot understate, or sorry, you cannot overstate how big of an advantage not having to tax yourself physically and play a full basketball game, especially against a team like VCU, who I thought had a chance against them, takes on you, and then you walk in well-rested, ready to go, and prepared for Iowa. They get the win there. Now they're playing USC. These are two Pac-12 teams. I know you said you haven't covered them as extensively, but these are still two teams that you're a little bit more familiar with than me. USC got the win in the regular season. They beat Oregon 72-58. to They had them out-rebounded by double digits. They look better in the post, and they have a deeper bench. I tend to lean towards USC in this matchup, but let me just ask you, Koki Riley, what are your thoughts on this matchup between the six-seed USC and the seven-seed Oregon Ducks heading into the Elite Eight? So what, now their last 15 games... Oregon has lost two games. Um, one of them, one of those games was that USC game that you mentioned. That's very fair. And the other was against Oregon State in the Pac-12 tourney. Um, this Oregon team, uh, 15 or 16 games, uh, excuse me. I, I don't know the actual number, but it's something like that. Anyway, this Oregon team is on fire. Um, I really like this team a lot. Uh, just the amount of guys who can score the basketball on their own and the amount of mismatches they create offensively. It's really tremendous, and this game's going to really come down to how many, I mean, how how they can expose in the double big man lineups that USC loves to run, right? But I mean, if this Oregon team can shoot the ball anywhere close, as close to as well as they did against Iowa, they certainly have a shot of winning this game. I picked them to win this game because of all those mismatches that they that they create against USC, and the fact that USC is just in general has been a little inconsistent this season, not quite as dominant as you'd like to see them in the Pac-12. I mean, they got to a really hot start in the, in the, in the start of the Pac-12 season, and they lost a few games. And, I mean, and, and then they, um, I believe they lost to Colorado in the Pac-12 tourney. And then they've gone off to a really good start here in the, in the NCAA tournament. And they, they, they destroyed Drake. Um, they absolutely demolished Kansas. Um, but, I, but I just think this Oregon team creates more mismatches than that Kansas team did. Because that Kansas team, I mean, they kind of run their team through the post with McCormick, right? And they have solid perimeter play, but nothing scary enough to really, to to really threaten against a like a, a post-oriented USC team. So, I mean, Mobley was simply better than everyone else on the court, and that ended up being true. They won eighty-five to fifty-one. But I, I don't know. I, I know, I know. In the regular season, USC handled Oregon pretty pretty easily. But I don't know. I, I just I'm really in on this Oregon team. I, I like them a lot. I picked them over Iowa for a reason, and 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 they made me look really good because they. I mean, they made Luca Luca Garza and that Iowa defense look foolish, and that Iowa defense was never good the entire season, and that's why I didn't really like them heading into that game, especially against an Oregon team that could create a ton of mismatches with Omarui and all the. I mean, all the guys who can score for them on the perimeter. So I think something similar is going to happen in this. USC Oregon game, but I mean, it's really tough to pick this game because of how well, how I mean, how familiar these two teams are with each other, right? Yeah, it's very, 
Yeah, it's very rare that you get a conference matchup in a game this late into the tournament. Every now and then it happens, especially with some of the great ACC teams that you have typically. But this is this is an interesting one. I tend to side with you a little bit on the Oregon thing, just because again they have the momentum coming in, and I still I still stand by it. I think they're well rested because they didn't have to play in that first round game. I know it's been a week since then, but I just I don't think you can overstate what that does. I also think that the fact that USC won in the regular season it gives Oregon a chance to make their adjustment here, and I think that may be another advantage for the Ducks. But this this could certainly be one of the best games that we see this weekend as well. It's going to be awfully close on Sunday afternoon. I tend to lean Oregon a little bit here, and I will pick them, but man, this this is going to be close. I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, you can make an argument either way, but I, I mean, I picked Oregon to make the Elite Eight, and I'm going to stick with it. All right, fair enough. Well, Koki Riley, I got one more question for you here before we go. Uh, we will obviously not have a chance to do another podcast episode before the Elite Eight round, so let me just ask you, what is your? give me your dream matchup. Of, of the potential Elite Eight matchups that we could have, which game do you most want to crack open a beer, sit back, and watch on a, on a, mon- or on a Sunday or a Monday afternoon uh, in the Elite Eight here of the, of the remaining teams left? That's a great question. I don't really know. If you need some time, I can give you my answer. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, give me give me your answer. I, it, look, I it doesn't track. it doesn't have a lot of low numbers on it. I want to see Loyola Chicago Syracuse. If Syracuse is still feeling themselves, if Bayheim is still shooting the way that he is, you got two teams that are trying to be low seeds that were counted out heading to the final four in an elite eight matchup both fresh off of a couple of really big upsets. Syracuse possibly taking down the two seed, Loyola Chicago possibly taking down the one seed. For my money, I feel like that might be the best game. I think it doesn't matter. Like I think Bama could slaughter whoever comes out of the other matchup. I think Gonzaga could slaughter whoever comes out of that matchup. I think Baylor could do the same thing to whoever wins between Arkansas and Oregon. Or sorry, Arkansas and uh, Oral Roberts. I, I really do think that a cute Loyola Chicago game might be the best thing left that we have to to kind of root for in this tournament until we get into the Final Four. I think Baylor Arkansas would be a great game. It could be. That would be an awesome game. I like that Arkansas team a lot, and I picked them to make the Elite Eight for a reason. Um, love their athletes, love Musselman. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just like I, I kind of want to see bodies flying at each other mm-hmm. at very fast rates and, you know, good, well, well-coached, good play, right? And then I think Baylor-Arkansas would give us that. And I also think um, Florida State-Alabama would be kind of incredible. Like, that would be a Titans matchup, you know? In the Elite Eight, so if that happens. <laughs> Florida State-Alabama also has the possibility to be one of those games that, like, it's close the whole way, and then it ends, like, 45 to 47. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not saying that would happen with how many threes both teams can take, but it could be one of those really gritty, low-scoring affairs. It could also be a shootout. You never know. But Alabama's three-point shooting, we'll see. You'd yeah, think. You'd think. You do make a good point with, I mean, loyal Chicago in any game, is a good game. I agree. They are they are what we like to call must-watch television, and you can bet that while I'm calling some UNC games this weekend, uh, my laptop will have a tab open to whatever game Loyola Chicago is playing in. Uh, any any final thoughts here, Koki? Before we let you go, got a lot of a uh, lot of lot of work to do here this evening to get ready for the weekend. But any 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 closing thoughts here on uh, on the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight? Gonzaga is the best. It's Gonzaga against the field, but I, Loyola Chicago might be the most enjoyable team to watch in this field other than maybe Gonzaga. I mean, those two teams are just beautiful to watch in general. I, I mean, such a joy. 
fair enough. Well, as Ethan said earlier, go Ramblers. Koki, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Always appreciate having you on, and we uh, look forward to talking to you here in the future. Thanks, man. This has been a blast. All right. That'll about do it for us. It's all the time we have. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show today. Of course, a full preview of the Formula One season with Drive to Survive out on Netflix. A Bahrain race starting up here on Sunday. And then, of course, a look at the Elite Eight and fine, or sorry, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight rounds with Koki Riley. I want to say thank you to you as well for tuning in wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher. Thank you for your continued support of the TBH Sports Pod. That'll do it for us one more time. For Tyler Henry, for Ethan Jordan, and for Koki Riley, I want to say thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the TBH Sports Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 29 of the Koki Chronicles Podcast. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and spread the word about the show. And until next time, thanks for listening.